With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Shack Show is a production of iHeartRadio. Today on The Shack Show, the PGA Tour is back, and we're going to talk Colonial with Gil Hans. Well, a lot of the focus this week is the tour returns to action at Fort Worth, uh, at Colonial. We'll be on the players, their safety, how it all works, no crowds, how television manages what is going to be a very complicated task. We heard all about today on a conference call with CBS, and it is, uh, needless to say, a very difficult task they are attempting to uh, undertake and make entertaining for us. But most golf fans are just happy to watch some golf, but probably forgotten in all this will be Colonial Country Club, the historic annual stop on the PGA Tour, now known as the Charles Schwab Challenge. And to discuss Colonial, I managed, after a lot of wrangling with his extensive publicity team, to secure architect Gil Hans, who has been hired by the club to commission a master plan. Of course, if you know much about golf, you know he is the architect of several world-class courses since he began his firm in 1993. Uh, places like Castle Stewart, which hosted several Scottish Opens, Boston Golf Club, Ohoopy Match Club, Streamsong Black, Mossy Oak, Rustic Canyon, which I had the privilege of working with him on, and of course, most famously, the Olympic Course in Rio. Then there are the renovations the Overhaul Piners Number no. 4, Doral's Blue Monster. There are the Par 3 courses, the Prairie Club's Horse Course, which I also got to work with Gil and Jim Wagner on, and maybe most beloved of maybe any course Gil's designed. Based on the, the feedback I hear, the cradle at Pinehurst, and uh, it does look like a blast. Uh, but it's his restoration uh, resume that is just truly astounding, and, and it's even more astounding when you think of how many crazy member suggestions he must have listened to <laughs> over the years. But just listen to these names. These are just some of the places that Gil has done uh, restoration work at. Plainfield, Ridgewood, The Creek. Fishers Island, Sleepy Hollow, West Hampton, Palmetto, Tokyo Golf Club, Marion, the Country Club, Wingfoot, and Los Angeles Country Club's North Course, where uh, they will be hosting the 2023 U.S. Open, and another project I work with Gil on. Now, he's going forward with more of this incredible restoration work and undertaking two big ones, and American classic brand names, Baltish Roll and Oakland Hills, which, have, uh, let's just be honest, have fallen out of favor a little bit, and I think a restoration will be very exciting at both of those places. 
Uh, and of course, he is continuing work on the new course in Frisco, Texas for the PGA of America. And nearby Frisco is, of course, Colonial Country Club, the historic place that was uh, generally considered one of America's great courses for a very long time. Hogan's Alley, Ben Hogan won five Colonials there. Uh, a place we've gotten to know on television, but has fallen to 155th in the Golf Digest ranking. Not that the panelists always get it right, but something has occurred. There have been a lot of changes over the years. There was a flood in 1949. So I want to talk to Gil about Colonial, what he's learned in researching the history of the course, how it could be better, what we should be watching for this week when the PGA Tour returns to action in Fort Worth at Colonial. Here's my chat with Gil Hans. So, Gil, where are you today, and what'd you work on today? Um, I am at Baltus Row Golf Club, Springfield, New Jersey. We're uh, rebuilding, well, we're restoring the golf course. So, I was working today with Kevin Murphy and Jeff Stein on the tenth green, getting all the expansions done on it and getting it all ready. And they're actually we're scanning it just a little bit ago, so that we've got our our blueprint for when they dig it up and core it out and put in all the fancy stuff underneath it. They'll uh, they know what to put back. Very nice. Now, um, this week, uh, the tour is moving to or returning to golf, and it's uh, showing up at Colonial, where it, it, it has annually for a very long time. And uh, I was hoping you could kind of help us better understand a course that we've gotten used to seeing on TV, and but we we know there's some some changes over the years, and they had a project in 2008 that uh, Keith Foster worked on. So. Uh, can you just give us a little uh, background on on why uh, you were hired and how that happened, and then uh, maybe we'll talk a little bit about the course. Sure. Um, we were approached about four or five years ago to uh, talk to the club about moving forward. I think um, they had mutually decided to part ways with uh, with Keith Foster, and he, I think he was completely fine with that. And um, it was really to look at how could we historically figure out what happened at Colonial and, and how it evolved to the point where it is now. And in so doing it, it was, it's quite a, it's, it's, it's a long history and there's many, many characters who are involved in it, which is, you know, most people think it's a Perry Maxwell golf course, but he had his hands in it in um, preparation for the, the 1941 U S open. And, um, but it was John Breedemus before him, and then it was Maxwell, and then it was uh, Ralph Plummer, and then Dick Wilson and Ben Hogan oh, wow. worked on it together. Then I think Floyd Farley had, oh. had a hand in it. <laughs> um, and I think then there were a few other people, uh, maybe Robert Trinjo Sr., and, and eventually to, to Keith Foster. So I think um, we're like number eight or nine on the list of golf course architects who – who've been involved there. And so really what we, we tried to do is just piece together how everything evolved over, over time. And, and I think Maxwell's contributions were significant and, but they, they've, they're gone for the mm. most part. I mean, he, he routed holes three, four, and five, the horrible horseshoe, which, um, you know, are just an amazing set of golf holes and very, very difficult and really the uh, key part of the golf course. But a lot of the feature work that he did and the greens that he constructed have, were rebuilt um, over a period of time, some of them several times. And, um, you know, a lot of them were much lower to the ground, uh, really very, very 
lay of the land architecture. And hmm. so I think trying to figure all that out. And then, then in the 1960s, you had, um, you know, a flood control program that was put in place to harness the uh, Trinity River. And they lost uh, two of the most spectacular holes on the property, uh, both par threes, number eight, uh, which had their played with the river uh, kind of cutting across and, and along the right-hand side. And then number 13, where an arm of the river kind of bowed around and, and went in front of the green. So those holes were, were lost and, and moved inland and and the the channel the trinity river was sort of straightened out and then a lot of other flood control measures on the back nine primarily so it's 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 had a lot of nips and tucks and 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 our hope is that we can decipher um how all of it came together uh try to let the membership know uh, or understand that a little bit better and and then put together a plan that will hopefully uh return a lot of the real character of the golf course. Is there a sense like a lot of the places that you have done restoration work at that that it, it it's missing something that there there was a point a high point for the course and that you, there's a certain time that you'd like to kind of aim for trying to get back if people all agree that was a a, a good time? Yeah, I think everything focuses around that US Open. Um mm. I I had the 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 great good fortune to sit down with uh, Marty Leonard, who's the daughter of Marvin Leonard, the, the founder of, of Colonial, and and Dan Jenkins, uh, the late, great Dan Jenkins, and to just listen to the two of them talk about the golf course and talk about, uh, you know, it's it's very similar to, to the work that we've done together at, at Los Angeles Country Club, where there was just this rustic, beautiful patina that has evolved into a much more polished and refined look to it. It was scruffy and a little bit ragged. And there were some dry washes that weave their way through the property. And, and the greens sat much lower to the ground, as I mentioned. And, and, and Dan Jenkins said, it was a dark golf course. And I said, <laughs> what do you mean by that? And he said, it was you, there were trees all over the place and you were hitting into what felt like tunnels and the greens sat down on the ground. So it, you know, the trees really felt like they were overhanging everything because the features were much lower profile. And it, it was just a great, great lunch and, and a great, you know, um, I had never spent much time around him. And, and you know, obviously, you, you know him well or knew him well and, you know, what character he was and some of the descriptions he had of, of the golf course. So I think when you look at the photos and the the character and the scale from those early years uh, this golf course was built during the depression. So, you know, it was very young when it hosted the U S open um, that sort of, I think that's the heyday. And I, and I think that's hmm. the look and feel we we'd really like to, to restore to the property. Did he give you much of a sense of, of Hogan's view of the place? Cause, cause he and I used to discuss, it just drove him nuts that Hogan Referred to Riviera uh, before the flood. He would always tell him Riviera before the flood was one of his top five courses. And so even though after I've explained to Dan what happened with the flood, he's just refused to he refused to <laughs> believe it <laughs> because he Hogan couldn't have played the course before the flood. And I then tried to say, well, Dan, somebody might have explained how it used to play. And those holes bother him. And he understood why those holes were better at one time. Anyway, we didn't we didn't get we never resolved that <laughs> argument. I, but I was grateful that he always. He always brought it up. It it, uh, it 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 bugged him. But but with Colonial, did he kind of did you go into that at all? Because obviously Hogan is such a big part of their their history. We did, and and he and he did play it before the flood, uh, before the big. Yeah, uh, they had a know, flood too. Events. So yeah, 
Yeah. So <laughs> he, he did know it well. And, and he, uh, and Dan said that, you know, that Hogan was, he was just locked in at that golf course. He knew every, every blade of grass. He played there a lot. He was then, as I, as I mentioned, I think involved in some of the architectural changes with Dick Wilson. I think ultimately there seemed to have been, and, and Marty Leonard concurred that there was some sort of falling out um, between him and Marvin Leonard, which made him go over to Shady Oaks right, and, right. And, and found that. And so it was, uh, but no, he had great success there and he had a great respect for the golf course. And, you know, that we talk about, you know, shot makers golf course and you know maybe that's a little bit trite in this day and age but you know with him obviously the ultimate shot maker and the ability to do whatever he wanted with a golf ball um he loved the the precise nature of colonial the fact that it was tree line and you had to you had to hit quality shots to get your ball around that golf course and that still is uh, still is the case today on a on a golf course that's considered short uh for for today's tour and you know generally the, the thing that, that strikes you when you when you get there is you look at that wall of champions and there's so many good players on yeah. that wall. I mean, it would be something that any place would be really proud to, to show off. We're going to take a quick break on the Shack Show, but I'm curious. You just made me think about something regarding golf architecture and great winners, and I want to ask you about that when we come back. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we're back. So do you uh, do you buy that notion that, that great architecture produces great champions in general? 
I, I do. I, I think that um, I think that there's a certain level of golfer that rises to the the occasion, to the the test at hand, and and great golf courses, I, I think, tend to provide that. I mean, obviously, you're going to have guys that just get hot for a week, but I think over the course of time, um, courses that have hosted multiple multiple championships, generally the the great ones have a really strong. Um, winner's board on yeah. it. And I think that that's really important. And I know that's something that, that Jim Wagner and I talk a lot about is that, you know, people always ask, Oh, are you, you know, what, what do you want the winning score to be? If, if, you know, it's on a golf course that we've designed, it's like, we really don't care. We just, we'd love to have a great winner. <laughs> you know, if you if you get a really good winner on your, on your golf course, then I think that somehow validates uh, the quality of the course, the architecture, etc. And I think in the Olympics, Dan and Rio, we had, you know, both on the men and the women's side, just yeah. great, great winners, great medalists, everything about. And I think that that that's something that, we, that Jim and I really are get are, are proud of if, if we can get great winners on on our courses. So not that we're building great courses, but I think it's it's just it's, it you know, to get to that sort of level of, hey, if 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 the guys that win there are good, I think that that does validate. I mean, working here at Baltus Roll had one of the, the most fun, um, you know, things working on the 18th fairway and, you know, running a bulldozer around Jack Nicholas's <laughs> plaque sitting in the middle of the fairway and trying not to hit it and making sure that we took great care of getting it out of the ground. And, um, you know, and you see the plaques here and you see the winners that, you know, that obviously Nicholas winning here twice. It's, you know, that helps to helps certainly to validate, um, the architecture in my opinion. Since you've been doing this, have you seen a shift? Because I know when you started, and and I started getting interested in architecture. So much was uh, uh, centered around scoring and and evaluating a tournament and a course based on the scoring. Have you seen uh, a shift in people being less uh, obsessed with that idea, or is it still there? <laughs> I, I think it's still there for members at, at clubs that host you know tournaments. Yeah, they don't want the perception that their golf course is is easy, but the the reality is that the players today and the way they play the game of golf, uh, you know, we, we're right now talking about a new normal, obviously with the pandemic and and with what's going on in our country. Um, but I think the reality of the new normal for golf is that major championships are going to be won with double digit under par. That's just got to be, you know, throwing out the, whether it's the U.S. Open, the Open Championship, the Masters, you know, PGA. That's just going to be the new standard. Um, you know, the level of of golf that's being played, the distance they're hitting it, the um, the level of maintenance that's being presented to these players. I mean, unless they get something out of the ordinary weather-wise, um, you know, I think that that standard is just going to have to be applied, and it it is. It doesn't in any, or shouldn't in any way, shape, or form diminish people's perception of the quality of a golf course. Um, I remember um, back to when we when we redid Doral and 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 JB Holmes went out and shot sixty two, and you know people, some people were very upset. Um, <laughs> I wonder about who. that. Hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, but Johnny Miller on the broadcast said something that I'll, you know I'll never forget. He said, "Listen, great golf courses yield." great scores when players are playing at a, an extremely high level. If a guy's playing at it or a woman's playing at such a high level and the golf course still won't yield a good score, then there's probably something wrong with the golf course. Yeah. 
Um, and so I think that, you know, that's, it's just, there's always going to be this ego. There's always going to be this pride of, you know, people at their clubs or their facilities wanting to their golf course to appear to be uh, a good enough test, um, for these guys. But unless you get wind and dry, firm conditions, they're going to shoot good scores because they're just that good. And I, I think that we just have to apply that new normal, that new standard to, yeah. to what winning scores are going to be. I've had success in arguing that with people that it, it, to, to focus on the disparity or the, the spread of the scores to get them off of obsessing about that that low number and then seeing if, if of course, indeed kind of spread out the field and, and weeded people out, that that actually is a greater statement about uh, that it rewarded good play, but it also kind of beat somebody up who was not on their game. Yeah, uh, I agree. I think you were looking at like when Rory won at Congressional or, um, you know, Gary Woodland at, at Pebble Beach, um, you know, was he was the only one, I think, double digits under par. So people might look at that and go, oh, OK, you're 12 under one, the U.S. Open. Well, actually, he played really great golf yeah. and it was it was, you know, three other guys that were anywhere close. And you're right. I think that that's the case. Whereas, you you know, um, Aaron Hills, where there were just a hundred guys, you know, a lot, not a hundred, but a lot of right. guys under par. And it was just it was a different type of tournament. So I think you're right in that sort of um the spread in the scoring. If somebody plays exceptional golf, the golf course should yield a score to that. Yeah. So you are in the midst of doing uh, presenting this master plan to the members. Um, the the tour will be back this week. Uh, you will not be able to be there, but uh, tell us a little bit about what you'll either look for when you're you're maybe watching the replay on Golf Channel in the evening or on the weekend and relaxing, or or afterwards when. Uh, maybe Steve Wensloff will provide you with shot link data. What What are the things that you're you're watching for at Colonial this week? It, it's a golf course that it, most players. There's only going to be a few holes where they're going to hit driver. So it's mainly it's mainly going to be fairway metals and even driving irons off of the tee. So I think it'll be interesting to watch how you know the longer hitters navigate their way around the golf course itself. Um, you know, part a, a big part of this master plan that, that we're hopeful to present this fall is is going to be, you know, an agronomic piece, which I know you're very familiar with, and these clubs sort of upgrading um, their ability to grow grass in tough growing conditions. So, um, Scott Ebers, the the golf course superintendent, does a great job down there, but trying to grow bent grass in, you know, night, you know, this time of year in particular, a couple of weeks after when they normally have the tournament, um, I'm hopeful that. You know the the golf course uh, conditioning will will hold up because that's a lot of what we're talking about. Mm. Um, you know, growing bent grass in Texas is not, as I said, not easy, and there are tools that that can help that. So I think we'll be looking at the conditioning of the golf course and 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 how um, you know hopefully what we're proposing will will help that long term. And then you know the putting. Um, the the one thing about Colonial that's interesting is that now that the greens are up. Um, most of them are, are set up above the grade and you know, with deeper bunkers in and around them is the, the approach play. I think um, I'm, I'm always curious to see how many guys hit greens um, when they're perched up like that. And especially since we're talking about lowering a lot of them and putting mm. them for it closer to the ground. So I'll be kind of curious to watch the approach play into them. And then like you and like everybody else who listens to this, I'm just happy to have golf back. I yeah. mean, it's going to be, it's going to be fun to watch. It's going to be different. It's going to be interesting, but I think it's, um, 
you know, for all of us, it's going to be a wonderful distraction to have some, you know, have meaningful uh, live sports again. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I listened to the call today with Sean McManus and Jim Nance and Nick Fallow. They're going to have a drone, they think. They're they're fine-tuning it, but they're probably going to have a drone out there because there are no people. So they're going to mimic Fox cool. a little bit on the live drones. You may get some different views of uh, Colonial. Just uh, quickly, you, the bent grass thing, is that um, sort of a part of the history? Marvin Leonard was big on bent grass, I, I read somewhere. Is that part of the reason of sticking with it? Yep, that's absolutely okay. correct. It was his his legacy, and obviously, as the founder of the club, the club you know takes it very importantly that you know his contributions to the place and his legacy. I think they they felt very strongly, given the opportunities that present themselves now, um, you know, with with hydronics and with the ability to to work with soil temperatures and and obviously new greens mix, et cetera, et cetera. I think will give them a really good chance to have. Uh, finely conditioned turf, you know, even during the height of the summer. And one last colonial question. Is there any ability to, you mentioned seeing where they're going to be approaching from all that kind of stuff. Is there any ability to get driver in their hands a little bit more to bring back some of the things that, that Hogan loved about it in that sense? There's a few spots where we're going to be able to lengthen a a couple holes, but there's, it's pretty well maxed out. So, um, you know, there, there are a few things that were done in, in the most recent um, renovation to the golf course that I think tried to tighten up the landing zones and, I, and, and they were, you know, adding some bunkers that were not part of the original design. Uh, we're proposing to take some of those out so that, you know, the penalty is much more just the, the rough and the trees. Um, and so maybe that'll allow golfers, you know, the tour players to feel a little bit freer off hmm. the team and maybe take driver. Okay, uh, one more break, and then I have a little bit of a bone to pick with Gil about something that had just popped up on the internet. We'll be right back on The Shack Show. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. 
I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Gil, so Golf Magazine... Uh, slash golf.com uh, posted something uh, online yesterday. Your top 10. I assume this was, it was written in January in your beautiful handwriting. Uh, your top 10 courses in the world. And it's a, um, was this part of their ranking? Is that why they asked you that? I think you're a panelist there, I believe. Yeah, I'm a panelist. And I think they just said they, it's different part, part the, sorry, different parts of the year. They're just going to, ask some different panelists to hmm. throw out their top 10. And uh, our first question by Rand Morissette was, are you willing to do this? And I thought, <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I don't think I'm going to make anybody mad, but apparently I've upset you. So. Not upset. Not upset. I just I just have a question. Well, it's a fantastic list. It starts what I love, of course, that you did, which I think is the perfect way to do this. You start with number one, the old course, number two, national. And then you draw a line, and the rest are just alphabetical. But those two are on another level, another plane. They're at least to us in who study golf architecture, they're the kind of the, the ultimate uh, cathedrals. So then you got you have a Chicago Golf Club, uh, L.A. Country Club. This is an alphabetical order: Marion, Muirfield, Pine Valley, Royal County Down, Royal Melbourne West. All amazing courses. All places that people uh, should drop everything they're doing if they get the chance to play if they're not a member. But uh, can you guess which one kind of surprised me a little bit, just knowing your style of design? And by the way, very nice that you didn't mention one of your own courses. Like that really (laughs) confirmed you're not a member of the Jones family. Um, But anyone on the list you think that I might? Didn't have Cypress Point. Oh, and Cypress Point. Yes, I'm sorry. Yes, I forgot. Wait a second. I skipped over that. Sorry. That's right before Chicago Golf Club. Which one you wouldn't like out of that? I wouldn't like. I just wonder why, of all the places in that region, would you pick that one? Okay, Muirfield. Um, Muirfield, absolutely. Yeah, that was just I, that was one. Of, so I had played there recently, and I just I don't know. I, there was something about it that I just I've forgotten and, and hmm. remembered just how you know it's not dramatic. It's certainly not the most dramatic links out there, but the bunkering is such. And I think it's it's um, you know what old Tom Moore's old water meaty. Um, you know, just the I, I love the feel of that place. There's just something about it. That um, uh, it's okay. it's yeah, ma- just, it's magical to me. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, and trust me, I you know, where would I rather play? Probably North Berwick, which is just down the road. And that's why I asked. Yeah, yeah, but <laughs> but you know, it, it it's that whole sort of um, you know argument that you you know not argument but discussion that that we have is all right. I understand that Shinnecock Hills is a probably a quote unquote better test of golf, but I'd rather play at National. I understand that, you know, I think Muirfield right. is probably the better test of golf, um, but I probably, I, well, I would rather play at North Berwick. Yeah. But I also was thinking, all right, how do we stack it? You know, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. Well, it is, uh, I mean, I would have put, I'd put Dornick. Uh, there's several others I'd put ahead of it. Yeah. Where would you, so what, uh, which ones would you throw out? What would uh, you North, out? Well, North Berwick. Oh, that's the only one I'd throw off the list. And it's, it's fantastic. And in fact, well, we'll get to, but I, another argument about it. But I mean, I, I don't know if you've seen, 
Turnberry since Martin Ebert redid it, but I, I have I, not. I put that ahead of it. Carnoustie, I, I really kind of fell in love with again seeing it at the open. I'd forgotten some things I forgot. I don't know if I'd want to play it every day. It, it, I'd rather go to Panmure. But uh, Cruden Bay, I love. Prestwick, I've just come to really love. Um, but yeah. Dorn, Dornick and North Berwick are the two that I, I feel like are more you. But that was just my my reaction. Um, yeah. But the the par threes at Muirfield, I think you and I have discussed that the, the set at Los Angeles Country Club is as good a set of par threes on the planet, and I think people will see that when they have the U.S. Open. But Muirfields are are pretty incredible. Um, yeah, and I, I agree. You would you would get a kick out of this. Um, I was doing a Golf World preview story on Muirfield before the 2013 Open, and I was at. Uh, the memorial and Jack Nicholas does this great session where he just kind of everybody gathers around him and people just sort of throw out things that they're working on for various tournaments. And I, I, <laughs> I, uh, I was doing a story on how all the par threes are uphill at, at Muirfield and you love uphill par threes, I know. And yes. most of the best par threes in the world are, are either flat or, or uphill. And so I threw it out at him. I said, uh, you know, doing this story and, and, uh, he immediately shot it down. No, they're not. No, they're not. And then he, and he went and he paused. He went, okay, well, let's go with number four. And then he, and he proceeded to go through them. And all these writers are sitting there, of course, just going, Oh, who cares about up? <laughs> but then as he kept going through it and he, and he had to admit, okay, well, yeah, yeah. they are all kind of a little bit up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then some writer chimed in from the, the the local paper with a question. He went, no, 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 I'm not done yet. <laughs> and all the writers then really perked up. And he proceeded to just kind of go through them and what he loved about uh, those holes and but why he likes a little more visibility at his par threes. And then, of course, Classic Jack at the end, he goes, did, did you get what you need? And you're like, you just went for five <laughs> minutes on up on par threes. Of course, yes, you you did uh, you did very well. Thank you, Mr. Nicholas. So, um but they are a great set of par threes there. They really are. Yeah, I agree. Um, so, all right. Well, that that was all. I just wanted to to get some clarity right. on that. And uh, uh, very important first world matter here. So, of course. Uh, thank you so much for for kind of prepping us. I mean, we're all like you said, we're all excited about the watching some golf again. But I think it's a course that that we all have kind of scratched our head at. Television doesn't do certain things justice, and. Also, sort of knowing its its history will be interesting to see. I, I hope uh, you get to do a lot of things that, that bring back a little more of that charm. Well, I, I hope so as well. We're really excited about it. I, I think you know we're looking forward to getting in front of the members and, and hopefully get them excited about it as well. And I, you know, it, it 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 isn't lost on me, and I think it's kind of cool that you know, aside from Riviera, Colonial's probably the most you know the longest term. Uh, course on tour and it's got obviously a tremendous tournament history and so it's kind of cool that they're they're going back they're starting off at, at one of these great old um, courses that we're all familiar with that we all have memories of watching on tv and, and i think that that's a that's a great way to to get the tour back and, and obviously they've got a phenomenal field so i think i'm sure the folks at in fort worth at colonial are really excited about that yeah absolutely all right well thank you so much gil you're welcome, Jeff. Always always good talking to you. All right. Thanks again to Gil Hance for appearing here on The Shack Show and sharing some of his insights into Colonial. It should be a fun week. We will cover it. We will uh, analyze it on jeffshackleford.com. We. It's me. Um, and, of course, if you have any feedback about the show, 
don't hesitate to contact me there or write a nice review on iTunes is always a good thing or just give it a nice rating there. That seems to to still matter or just listen to it on the iHeartRadio app. And by the way, The Shack Show, just so you know, is produced by Tim Parachka and is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeart, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. So until next time, please be safe and thank you for listening. And I will be back soon. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to to start listening.